The moment that you've all been waiting for has finally arrived for the first time in over a month. It is time for Carolina football. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Line, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen. Here today, we are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And yes, as I mentioned earlier, South Carolina will be taking the field one last time in the 2022 season later today in Jacksonville, Florida, when they take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the Tack Slayer Gator Bowl. Now, for today's show, I'm going to give y'all pretty much my final thoughts encapsulating everything that I think is going to happen in this game. I'll give y'all one key external factor. We'll tell y'all a few things that I think are going to happen and, of course, give y'all a final score prediction. At the end of the show, I'll give y'all a couple quick updates regarding a couple of South Carolina's wide receivers, whether or not they could be coming back for next year, and we'll talk about why it's such a big deal for the Gamecocks to get Western Kentucky tight end Joshua Simon out of the transfer portal. That's going to be the roadmap for today's show. So let's go ahead and get on right into it with the key external factor for the Gamecocks here in the Gator Bowl and subsequently the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I'll explain why in just a couple moments. The key external factor in this game is time. To start off with South Carolina, for the Gamecocks, time means the preparation and practice time that they have been allotted leading into this contest. Now, for those of you who have been watching closely how this team has played after having some time away from the football field, you've probably noticed in the last couple years under Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks have done quite well. How well, you might ask? Well, when the Gamecocks have had more than one week to get ready for a football game since Shane Beamer became the head coach here, the Gamecocks are 6-0. Eastern Illinois and Florida and North Carolina from the 2021 season. And then 2022, they had extra time for Georgia State, won that game. They had extra time for the Kentucky game, won that game. They had extra time for the Texas A&M game, won that game. Now they've gotten some extra time to prepare for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, obviously, this kind of streak is not going to last forever. Shane Beamer is not going to go through his entire head coaching career, which, of course, Gamecock fans hope is a long and prosperous one here in Columbia, having never lost a game when he's had extra time to prepare. There's no streak that I know of that exists when it comes to the sport of college football with all the legendary head coaches that have graced the sidelines in this sport. So at some point, this streak will come to an end. But the reason why I bring up this 6-0 record with extra time is to really emphasize how this staff has made it clear they can take full advantage of the extra time and film work that they get to prepare for an opponent. And the thing is, when you think about it in the circumstances that have been sort of laid down on the Gamecocks heading into the Gator Bowl, South Carolina really needed the extra time and preparation for this game because 
you think about all the defections from this roster. I know I've brought this up several times now, but it bears reminding. The Gamecocks have one scholarship tight end coming into this game in Nate Atkins. Not a good situation for almost any team to be in. They lost Marshawn Lloyd from the running back room. And no matter what you may think about, you know, how much he did during his time here, there's no question when Marshawn Lloyd was 100% healthy and out on the field, he made an impact for this Gamecock football team. Christian Bill Smith, still clearly not 100% with that lower body injury that he suffered back in fall camp. You know, he got some extra time to heal up and maybe he's at least closer to 100% than he would have been if this game had happened just two weeks ago. Josh Van and Jalen Brooks, two wide receivers that have been key for this team for the last couple years, are both out for this game. Shane Beamer confirmed on Thursday morning at his press conference with the media down in Jacksonville, Jalen Brooks is officially out for this game. His off-field situation, whatever is taking place, is going to prevent him from being able to suit up in the Garden Black one last time, unfortunately. So South Carolina now is going to have to rely on a bunch of backups, guys that have played in some big games, but nonetheless guys that have not been asked to do maybe as much as some of the players that are not going to be playing for the Gamecocks on Friday afternoon. And that's not even talk about the defensive side of the ball. Guys like Gilbert Edmond transferring out of the program. Zach Pickens, Cam Smith, and Darius Rush all opting out and declaring for the NFL draft. The Gamecocks really needed this extra time to try to get these, not necessarily new faces, but guys that, again, have not been really called upon as much, acclimated to what they're going to have to deal with on Friday afternoon facing a team that's as talented as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now, speaking of the Fighting Irish... Time is going to affect Notre Dame in this game as well. And it's, you know, of course, the same deal with they get some extra time to prepare in this contest as well. But for them, in my opinion, when you talk about time, you're talking about one player. And that is likely starting quarterback Tyler Buckner. Again, it bears repeating. Tyler Buckner, for the Fighting Irish, has not taken a live snap since late in the fourth quarter against the Marshall Thundering Herd all the way back in week two which was back on September the 10th. We're now sitting here on December the 30th. It's been almost a whole four months since Tyler Buckner has played in a live game. And look, I know Marcus Freeman has made a bunch of comments on this over the last couple of days regarding Tyler Buckner, saying that he's looked good in practice, that they've been taking a lot of time to really try to get the rust off and get him back into a flow and into a rhythm with their offense. Y'all listen. That's all well and good. Marcus Freeman, of course, is going to say that kind of stuff. Here's the thing. I'm just not going to buy all the way in that Tyler Buckner is going to be able to make a massive impact in this game. That's not to say, of course, that Buckner's not talented. From the sounds of it, with my interview with Tim O'Malley on Thursday, which if you haven't watched that yet, be sure to go check that out both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcast daily. You know, Tyler Buckner is a good athlete, it seems like. But when you have that much time away from the field... I really question just how much he's going to be able to really, again, make an impact for the Irish in this game. How much are they going to be able to lean on him? If South Carolina can get Notre Dame into some third and long situations, which we'll talk about in a minute, is he going to be able to handle those moments? It's certainly going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Time is the biggest X factor in this game, the biggest external factor in this game for both of these teams for varying different reasons. Now, how do I think this game is going to play out? In just a few moments, I'll let y'all know both my final score prediction and three different things that I think will happen in this game right here on Locked on Gamecocks. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at the NHTSA or National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 
Let's say, of course, you've made the trip down to Jacksonville, which I can't blame you. It's a chance to go down to Florida. It's a lot warmer down there right now. And you're hanging out with some friends down there. So you decide you're going to put a few drinks away because it's been a while since you've hung out with them. Then you get to the point where you're all getting ready to go home or getting ready to go back to your hotel. And you decide that you can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over? Even so, what's the worst that could happen? Maybe your insurance goes up. Maybe you lose your license or your job or your car or you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. And that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after just a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back to this special Gator Bowl edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today, where the biggest stories around the sports world take place in 20 minutes or less. Plus, you'll get instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now let's get on into it. What do I think is going to happen in the Gator Bowl between South Carolina and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Well, before I get into my final score prediction, let's start off with the three things that I think are going to happen and thus have a significant impact on this game. Firstly, as I talked about with Tim O'Malley on the Thursday show when interviewing him, it seems like Notre Dame is going to probably come into this game with one massive game plan on offense, which is this. We're going to run the football, and we're going to live and die by it, basically. That's not to say, of course, they're not going to ever trust Tyler Buckner to try to make plays happen, whether it's with his legs or with his arm. But Notre Dame is going to try to run the ball first and probably throw the ball second in this game. That apparently is the way they've played the majority of this season. And considering all the circumstances that I mentioned earlier, uh, it's probably safe to assume that that's going to be an even bigger emphasis with the offensive side of the ball from the Irish. Now, what I think is going to happen is this. I do think that Notre Dame is going to get their share of yards on the ground. South Carolina, in the two years since Champion was hired here, one negative with that side of the ball is they have yet to consistently show that they can stop an opposing ground game, especially one that is as good as Notre Dame's. So, South Carolina has to do what they did against Clemson. They have to try to replicate sort of that same blueprint, which is a couple of things. One win the field position battle. And obviously, special teams are going to play a big part in that. And it's probably not fair to ask Kai Kroger to down the ball inside the five-yard line like three times and inside the 20-yard line five times in this game. Probably not a fair ask for him to do that once again. But nonetheless, South Carolina cannot afford to make it easy on Notre Dame. you got to make them have to really drive down the field and earn every yard they get. Secondly, they got to slow them down enough on early downs. You cannot let Notre Dame go out there on first down pretty much every new set of downs and get three or four yards every single time. If South Carolina lets Notre Dame get into that kind of rhythm where it's three yards, four yards, and a cloud of dust, and every once in a while an explosive run that just gives them a whole nother first down, a new set of downs, then South Carolina is going to be in trouble defensively in this game. There's no question about that. 
the last thing they got to do, when South Carolina does slow down Notre Dame on first or second down, and thus creates a third and passing situation, so like third and eight plus, basically, South Carolina needs to quote-unquote bow their necks. Basically, you need to get more stops than the Notre Dame Fighting Irish get conversions on third down. If you cannot accomplish that, then, again, it could be a long day for South Carolina's defense. Now, the second thing that I do think will happen in this game, I think that South Carolina will have good counters for the Fighting Irish's blitz-heavy mindset on the defensive side of the ball. Now, we've talked about this already throughout this week. Notre Dame is not afraid to send some extra guys into the box. Now, why is that the case? You know, it could be up for debate. In my opinion, I really and truthfully do believe, based on the little bit I watched on their defense, that it's because they do not have enough trust in the guys that are up in the box on the defensive line to get enough pressure to really create enough havoc by themselves. Isaiah Foskey was the one guy that I saw that consistently could do that. But guess what? Notre Dame now is not going to have him for this game, which in my opinion could mean that they're willing to test the waters a little bit more in terms of trying to send some extra guys into the box, try to maybe use some nickel corner blitzes, use those linebackers and shoot them through the A and B gaps, do everything they can to try to get pressure on Spencer Rattler. So what do I think is going to happen because of that? Well, I think South Carolina is going to try to establish a quick early passing attack. And I think the main way they should try to do this is by attacking the edge. Notre Dame has got a key injury in their secondary in Cam Hart, who is out for this game. You might be sitting there and asking, well, Andrew, why do I need to know about that? Here's why. The games that I watched in terms of perimeter tackling out of that secondary, Cam Hart was by far the best defensive back for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He was the best at reading when screens were coming, shooting past the guy that was supposed to block him, and making an attack on the backfield. Notre Dame is not going to have him in this game. That's not to say the other guys can't step up, but I think that South Carolina now has a really golden opportunity to really test the Fighting Irish secondary on the perimeter with that quick passing game on the edge. Utilize everyone on offense. South Carolina has, of course, done a much better job of this the last couple games they have played against top-notch teams. you got to continue that trend in this game, especially with the aforementioned affections that this team has had in the last few weeks. Use Juju McDowell out of the backfield on passing plays. Get to carry on Joyner involved in the Wildcat formation. And get Amarian Brown in jet motion a ton in this game. He's got a bunch of speed. He can take the top off a of defense. Use that to your advantage. Use it as eye candy. Every once in a while, give him the football and let him just go make some plays. Use everyone that you have on this offense. Lastly, this is more of a gut feel in my mind. I feel like that Mitch Jeter is going to be a big part of this game. I think he's going to come up big with a couple of field goals because the thing is, as much as South Carolina might scheme up a good game plan against Notre Dame, I think that with the lack of maybe consistent rushing threats they will have out of the backfield, maybe the lack of a consistent ground game, I should say, that South Carolina, at least a couple times in this game, is going to stall right around the edge of the red zone or inside of the red zone, which is inside the opponent's 25-yard line. And Mitch Jeter is subsequently going to have to go out there and make a couple of huge kicks. Now, he's only kicked 10 field goals all year. But he's also made every single one of them. Now, again, that's not to say that Mitch Dieter's never going to miss a field goal in his Gamecock career. It'd be pretty daggum impressive if he managed to do that. But I just don't see that happening. But in this game specifically, I think Mitch is going to have to kick multiple field goals. And with how close I think this game's going to end up, I think each and every one of them are going to be extremely important. So, for a final score, 
I think that South Carolina, in terms of special teams, in terms of the quarterback advantage that they have, and what this defense is facing in Notre Dame's offense, which I still think lacks playmakers on the edge, I just think it still bodes well enough for South Carolina that they're going to eke this one out at the end. I have South Carolina winning the Gator Bowl by a final score of 27-24. to So I think the offense gets a couple touchdowns in this game. Maybe you see a turnover to play a role in this game. And also, I still do think that despite Notre Dame's really solid special teams unit, that South Carolina and Beamer Ball are going to make enough plays in this contest to help get the Gamecocks over the hump by the end of the game. So I think South Carolina's going to win this game and therefore get to nine wins on the season. Now, obviously, there's a lot to discuss with the Gator Bowl that has taken place later today. But at the same time, there's also some news that has taken place off the field and with players that are getting ready to play in this contest. So let's start with Antoine Wells Jr. Now, Antoine Wells Jr., obviously, much like Spencer Rattler, he's got a big decision to make in the coming weeks. I believe that these guys have until January 15th or 16th to basically sign with an agent and subsequently declare for the NFL draft. Antoine Wells Jr. is one of those guys guys. So he was asked after practice on Wednesday, you know, what is the latest on everything that's going on with your impending decision? Have you made a decision yet? And Antoine Wells Jr. made it clear that he is yet to make a decision regarding whether or not he's going to come back to South Carolina. But he also made it a point to say this. He mentioned that the quarterback position and how the Gamecocks do in the transfer portal are going to play a part in the decision he makes at the end of this process. What does this basically mean? Well, it means what I've been telling you all along. Antoine Wells Jr. is going to be a package deal with Spencer Rattler. If Spencer Rattler comes back to South Carolina next year, you can probably bank on Antoine Wells Jr. coming back with him. I would say right now with like 99% confidence that that would be the situation that would play out if number seven decides he's going to stay in Columbia for another season. So, I think that that's a good sign if you're a South Carolina Gamecock fan. Of course, again, some people may wonder if they're going to see how they play in this bowl game. And if Antoine Wells and Spencer Rattler both go off, maybe they just decide, you know what? We've done what we've needed to do here. We have proven ourselves. We're ready to take our game to the next level. You know, that could be the case as well. But I still think that, again, Antoine Wells specifically, he's going to make his decision based on the decision that Spencer Rattler will be making at some point down the line. Now, another wide receiver who also commented on his status for next year was wide receiver Xavier Leggett. Now, Xavier Leggett, obviously, when you compare him and Antoine Wells Jr., and I don't want to say the importance, but maybe what they brought to the team this year, obviously, there's a bit of a discrepancy. But Xavier Leggett has made a big impact on special teams primarily. Of course, that he had that big opening kickoff return for a touchdown against Texas A&M. I believe it was the second longest kickoff return touchdown in school history that he had. And he did like over half of it with just one cleat on. So Xavier Leggett, he's always had big play potential. But he's admitted himself that he feels like that he still has a lot left to prove. And that was the main trend when he answered questions regarding whether or not he was going to come back. Because he said that more than likely he's going to return for next year and he still feels like that he has everything out in front of him. He just needs to go take it. And from the sounds of it, Xavier Leggett wants a chance to be one of the guys in this offense. And again, you count in the fact that Josh Van is done as a Gamecock. Jalen Brooks is now officially done as a Gamecock. Antoine Wells could be walking out the door depending on what all happens with him and Spencer Rattler. 
Xavier Leggett could be essentially a number one, number two guy for this team next year. So when you take all that into account and everything that's happened up to this point in his career, you could see why Xavier Leggett clearly has a chip on his shoulder and wants to show that, you know, he can do more than what he's done up to this point in his career, especially offensively. So Xavier Leggett seemed to pretty much all but announce that he is also going to come back along with Amarian Brown, who announced earlier this month. Now, moving on from the guys that are currently on the team right now, let's talk about the latest addition to the roster in Western Kentucky tight end Joshua Simon. Now, obviously, there's a couple different reasons why you could be excited about this kid. He's a South Carolina native. South Carolina fans love to see people within their state stay home or come home to play for the home state Gamecocks. Joshua Simon is obviously going to be a receiving threat for Spencer Rattler if he comes back and this offense. And... You know, there's a bunch of things to like here, but there's one thing that might get lost in the shuffle that is very key with his addition. And that's the fact that South Carolina's tight end room heading into next year, much more so than it was heading to this year, the eligibility numbers are going to be more spread out. Here's what I mean by this. Trey Knox, who has announced he's transferring from Arkansas to South Carolina, has one year of eligibility left. Joshua Simon, who just announced he's now coming to Columbia, has two years of eligibility left. Nick Elksness, who's transferring from Florida, has three years of eligibility remaining. And Connor Cox and Cameron Sandlin each have five years to play for as incoming high school signees. This is very different than what the tight end situation was coming into this year, where Nate Atkins was transferred from East Tennessee State, but he only had one year of eligibility remaining. Jaheim Bell looked like an NFL draft pick heading into this year, had two years of eligibility remaining, but you could probably count him as a guy that many fans expected to be out of here after this season, and that still ended up being the case, just for different reasons. Austin Sogner, the same deal, only had two years left. A lot of people expect it. He probably would be moving on after this year for different reasons. And Trayvon Keenan also only had two years of eligibility left. A lot of people expected him to be back, but of course Keenan announced after the Clemson game that he was officially retiring from the sport of football. So essentially, South Carolina, while it's understandable why they brought in all the guys that they had for this past season, they kind of put themselves into a bind in the first place because all these guys had very few years left of eligibility remaining collectively as a group. This group, however, it's more spread out. Trey Knox, you got him for one year, and then he's likely on to the NFL. Joshua Simon, you might have him for two years. He's got two years left. Nick Elksness, you can develop him some in this system, have him be sort of like a third piece, maybe someone who could be more of a blocking tight end, and he'll be a big factor on special teams more than likely for Pete Limbo and company next season. Connor Cox and Cameron Sandlin, both are going to be true freshmen coming in. And it's assumed that if those guys stick around long enough, they'll be here for four or five years. So now you've got a nice little division in terms of the eligibility, which means that South Carolina should not find themselves in this kind of situation again at the tight end room. And it's probably a good lesson for this coaching staff to carry over to other position groups as they continue to methodically target the transfer portal in the coming years. So... That's the latest on the team heading into the Gator Bowl. And with all that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoy today's show as always. What is your key external factor heading into this football game? What do you think is going to happen? What is your final score prediction? And what do you make of the comments made by Antoine Wells and Xavier Leggett regarding their upcoming decision on whether or not they're going to return for the Gamecocks 
next year. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter. And also don't forget to make locked on sports today. Your second listen. Now that you have listened or watched the locked on Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. Hope you all have a great rest of your Friday. Happy game day, Gamecock nation. If you're making the trip down there, Please be safe. If you've already made the trip down there, I may see you down there by the time the shows come out and the game is getting ready to take place. So let's have a great time, and I'll catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.